Jesus challenges today, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Amen. The nation of Israel had pledged numerous times throughout their history that they were going to be faithful in worshiping the one true God. And numerous times throughout their history, the children of Israel broke their promise and then they worshiped false gods. To discipline his unfaithful children, God allowed the nation of Israel to be captured by the mighty Babylonian Empire. The nation of Israel were carried off into captivity to live as exiles in faraway Babylon for 70 years. After the Medo-Persian Empire defeated the Babylonian Empire, King Cyrus of the Persian Empire then allowed Ezra to return with some exiles to Israel to rebuild Solomon's temple. That happened around 457 B.C. Twelve years later, Nehemiah was allowed to return home to Israel with more exiles, this time to rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem, walls that had been laying in ruin for over 100 years. Nehemiah joined with Ezra in the more important work of the spiritual rebuilding of Israel. The work of rebuilding Jerusalem's walls and the work of rebuilding Solomon's temple was tough, but now it was done. And so the people of Israel gathered together. Listen to what they said. We pledge to bring the first fruits of our land and the first fruits of every kind of fruit tree to the house of our God for ourselves. We also will bring the firstborn of our sons and our animals, as is written in the law. And we will bring the firstborn of our cattle and flocks to the house of our God for the priests who serve in the house of our God. And we will bring the first of our dough and our contributions and the fruit of every tree. We will bring new wine and olive oil to the priests, to the storerooms of the house of our God. And we will bring the tithe from our land to the Levites. The people of Israel want to fulfill Solomon's wise proverbial words, Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits from your entire harvest. Then your barns be filled to capacity and your wine vats will overflow with fresh wine. And so the people pledged to bring to God the first fruits of their bread, grain, fruits, vegetables, wine, oil, cattle, flocks, and even the firstborn of their sons. They pledged to give God the first fruits of, well, basically everything. First fruits are the first and the best of the harvest or the best of your flocks and herds to give that to God. So imagine in your garden you are growing tomatoes and peppers and snap peas and then you would give that first harvest to God trusting that you're going to later on receive more of a harvest of tomatoes and peppers and snap peas. You give God the first and the best and then you live off the rest. But what do we often do? We often reverse that. We give the best to ourselves and then we give God our leftovers. We earn our income and then we use that to pay our bills, put gas in our vehicle, to buy groceries and then have some leftover for our entertainment. After we have taken care of ourselves, then we decide that we are going to take care of God and give to him in our offerings. 
But fellow believers, do you see how backwards that is? The children of Israel, during the time of the prophet Malachi, which is around the same time as Ezra and Nehemiah, decided that they were going to give God in this kind of backwards practice. And listen to what God says about it. When you bring a blind animal as a sacrifice, isn't that evil? When you bring something lame and sick, isn't that evil? Try bringing that to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he receive you with favor? This is what the Lord of armies says. The people of Israel are bringing God their second best and their leftovers. The blind, the sick, the lame of their animals. And God is ticked. He asks if they would give those kind of sick sacrifices to their governor. And yet those are the kinds of things they are trying to give to their God. And he calls it evil. These are strong words. Strong words meant for the children of Israel in the Old Testament. But also strong words meant for us in the Christian church in 2024. God is ticked when we cheat him out of the first and the best. He is the God of the universe, our creator, redeemer, and sanctifier. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He does not deserve our leftovers. He does not desire our second best. You get the point. When you are giving God your first fruits, then you are doing two things. First of all, you are telling God what you think of him, that you are making him the first and best in your life, that he does not receive leftovers once in a while, but he has a priority in your life. And second, when you are giving God your first fruits, when you are blessing God with your gifts, And God promises that he is delighted with your gifts and he will bless you in return. That's exactly what God promises to the people of Israel just two chapters later in Malachi. In the first chapter, he's ticked at them for their sacrifices. And then he challenges them saying, bring the complete tithe to the storehouse so there there may be food in my house. Just test me in this, says the Lord of armies. See whether I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour down blessing on you until there is more than enough. And so the people in Nehemiah's day, they make a pledge. They are making a commitment to give to God their first roots. And it is okay for us as Christians to make a pledge too. We make pledges all the time. We pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. We stand before the Lord's altar on our confirmation day, and we pledge to God that we are going to be faithful, even to the point of death, rather than fall away from our Christian faith. We stand before the Lord's altar, and we make a vow of commitment to our spouse and to God and before all of our witnesses to be faithful to that spouse until the end of life. And we can make a pledge to God to give him our first and then live, to give him our first and best and then live off the rest. And so the people of Israel pledge to support their church. 
they knew that one of the reasons God had commanded them to give their first fruits was to take care of the church. The temple and the priests and the Levites, the guys that worked in the temple, they pledged to no longer neglect the house of God. They said, in this way we will not abandon the house of our God. You see, there are a lot of ways to destroy something. And the easiest way to destroy something is to do nothing, to neglect it. So how do you destroy a garden that was once productive and thriving? Neglect it. Do nothing. Don't water it. Don't fertilize it. Don't pick the weeds and say, let them take over the garden. How do you destroy a car? How do you ruin it? You do nothing. You neglect it. You don't change the oil. You don't replace the filters. You don't wash off the dirt and the salt. What about a church? How does a once growing and thriving church die? The same way God's people neglect it. They don't pray for it. They don't worship in it. They don't invite others to worship in it. They don't become involved in his ministries. They don't financially support it. And over time, it will happen. The church will die. It happens to roughly 4,500 churches annually in America. The paint fades, the wood cracks, the people age and die. The pews become emptier and emptier. emptier. New members don't, don't join the church. There aren't new children being born or baptized. And the people in the community wonder, whatever happened to that great church? It used to be fantastic. What did they do? And the answer will be nothing. They did not do anything. The people in Nehemiah's day, they had already been down that road, and they don't want to go down it again. And so they make a pledge. We will not let this happen again. They each made a commitment saying, I will not neglect the house of God. In these 10 for 10 sermons, Bible studies, and cottage meetings, we are challenging you to make a pledge to God, that we want you to pledge to your God saying, I am not going to neglect water of life. I will support my church with my offerings. And so we're going to be asking you to make a pledge. It will be a pledge that you write down and then place into a sealed envelope with your name on it to be placed on the altar from the middle of March through the middle of May and then it is returned to you unopened. It is a private pledge between you and the Lord of the church. But we want you to be challenged and we are asking you to accept that challenge. To hear God's words in these sermons, Bible studies, and cottage meetings. To take that word of God home. Discuss it with your family. Pray about it. And then make your pledge to God. Years ago, in the time between the two world wars, there was a very unique Christian school in England. The school would have teachers come in from all over the world to teach these Christian English children, and they would tell stories about where else they had been doing the Lord's ministry around the world. 
The children were excited when they had a teacher one year who used to be a private tutor to, a, to people in India. He told the story about the untouchable caste of children in an Indian village. And so the children in England decided they wanted to reach out to those untouchable children during Christmas time. The English children came and they gave to this teacher their brand new dolls and for the girls and boy toys for the boys. And then that giving and receiving of gifts, it was a pleasure to both groups of children. Then one year, a medical missionary was bringing those toys from the English Christian children to the untouchable children in the Indian village. He told the children in that Indian village about other children he had met in another village who did not know about Jesus and had never heard about the salvation that he had won for them. And so he asked these children to give him their old toys, the dolls and the boy toys, and then he would take those old toys and use that as an illustration of God's giving of his best gift of his son as these children's savior. And the children loved that idea. A week later, that medical missionary came to the village to collect, these to collect the gifts. One by one, the children came forward and gave him their presents to give to the other children. And he was shocked when he saw these gifts. These were not the old dolls or the old toys. These were the brand new dolls and the brand new boy toys they had just received from the children in England. The medical missionary asked them why. And a little girl spoke for the rest saying, Doctor, think about what Jesus did for us. He gave us his best. How can we do anything less? The little girl had it right. Jesus has given us his best. That Jesus left the mansions of heaven to come down to earth to be born in a barn. Jesus said throughout his ministry that the foxes have holes in the ground and the birds have the nests in the trees, but the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. During the temptations in the wilderness, the devil was tempting Jesus to cut corners. We heard today in the gospel how Jesus' good friend Peter was tempting Jesus to not go to the cross. But Jesus declined all luxuries. He resisted all temptations. He always gave us his best. We heard in Romans chapter 5 today that Paul says that while we were still enemies of God, Jesus reconciled us to the heavenly, holy Father. Jesus justified us. He declared us innocent of any wrongdoing through his divinely human blood. He saved us from God's wrath that we had justly deserved. That while we were still helpless, while we were God's enemies, God made us heirs of salvation. He reconciled us from being those, God, those enemies of God that we were born by nature to be. And he has baptized us and made us God's dearly loved children. That Jesus suffered hell on the cross so that we could enjoy heaven. He drank every drop from his Father's cup of wrath so that we might enjoy eating and drinking at the Father's heavenly feast. 
Jesus always gives us his best with forgiveness that he won and the salvation that he gives us. And now he challenges those who have received that salvation to give him their best in return to support the ministry of salvation so that others might be saved. And how will we respond? We pray that we respond like those little children in that Indian village. We do what Jesus did. Jesus gave us his best. We give him our best. He carried our cross for us. Now we carry our crosses in his name. Scripture says that Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That means that he is the first and best of the resurrection of the dead. And on the last day, the rest of the harvest of the resurrection will also come. Because Jesus is our first fruits. We pledge to give him our first fruits. Amen.